See if my things are going to work here. There we go. Let it snow. Um, you know, that is something that I didn't think I would ever say this year is let it snow. But as God began to lay some things on my heart, he began to bring some things into my memory. And uh, uh, I began to think about this idea of let it snow. Won't you open your Bibles with me to Second Chronicles. Amen. Chapter 34. I'm going to read several verses of Scripture this morning, starting in verse number 8 of chapter 34 of Second Chronicles. It says, In the 18th year of his reign, his being Josiah, in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple, he sent Saphan, the son of Azaliah, and forgive me with these names, uh, Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joan, the son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord. When they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites who kept the doors had gathered from the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, from all the remnants of Israel and from all of Judea and Benjamin, excuse me, Judah and Benjamin, and which they had brought back to Jerusalem. Then they put in the hand of the foreman who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen who worked in the house of the Lord to repair and restore the house. They gave it to the craftsmen and builders to buy hewn stone and timber for beams and to floor the house which the king of Judah had destroyed. And the men did the work faithfully. Their overseers were Jotha and Obadiah, the Levites, of the sons of Merai and Zechariah and Meshuzalem the sons of the Koas, to supervise others of the Levites, all of whom were skillful with instruments of music, were over the burden bearers and were overseers of all who did work in all kind of service. And some of the Levites were scribes, officers, and gatekeepers. Now when they had brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Helkiah the priest found the book of the law the Lord had given by Moses. And Helkiah answered and said to Shephon the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. I'm going to read that one more time. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Helkiah gave the book to Shephon, so Shephan carried the book to the king, bringing the king word, saying, All was committed to your servants they are doing. And they are gathered the money and was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered into the hand of the overseers and workmen. Then Shephan the scribe told the king, saying, Helkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shephan read it before the king. Thus it happened when thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes. 
When the king command, then the king commanded Helkiah, Achim, the son of Shepham, Adabon, the son of Micah, Shepham, the scribe, and Azahai, the servant of the king, saying, Go and inquire the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord according to all that is written in the book. So Helkiah and those the king had appointed went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokahath, the son of Hasherah, the keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter. And they spoke to her to that effect. Then she answered, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the men who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the curses that are written in the book which have been read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger, and that all the works of their hands, therefore my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord In this manner you shall speak to him. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you have heard. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants. And you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me. I have also heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. So they brought back the word to the king. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and all of his soul and to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Thus Josiah removed the abominations from the from all the country, and that belonged to to all who 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 were present in Israel diligently served the Lord their God all their days. They did not depart from following the Lord, the Lord God of their fathers. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I pray that you would lead your spirit. 
Lead your power. Lead your anointing and your grace. Lord, let your mercy flow everlasting power into our hearts. Let us find the book of the law of God in the house of God. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I magnify you. And Lord, I pray that you would give me strength to share your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I read a whole lot of scripture today. And as I begin to, to look at this passage, and some of you are thinking, what in the world does any of that have to do with snow? Pastor's not feeling good. His brain's not working right. But I, I have begun to understand something. When snow comes, it brings life. Just the other night, we were sitting, talking last Sunday afternoon, and Brother Furman made the point that the snow was going to help our yards. We had begun to have some thaw, and Sister Mary was talking about how green the grass was. She began to tell me we've got to plant the grass seed in the backyard at the parsonage. While that we've got this opportunity. I began to do a little research, and according to a blog I found at LawnEQ.com, I found that snow helps our yards. That there are a series of things that a snow cover does that while it's hard to get around, while it's a pain that it comes on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings, while some of us tend to slip slide away when we try to walk on it, it brings a new life of hope and a new life that's going to make our spring beautiful. It's going to allow us to have lush yards in just a couple of more months. Green and full of life. And as I begin to realize that snow helps our yards, I begin to realize that Josiah helped the kingdom. Just like in the midst of a trial and a difficulty of snow, we find hope for tomorrow in the middle of a place where the book of the law was not even present. It was hidden somewhere in the house of God. Abomination had filled the land in the middle of a place where people wondered if God was even still moving among the kingdom. Josiah finds a hope for tomorrow. So I want to spend just a few moments this morning and I want to talk about how that the snow is going to help our yards and how Josiah has helped the kingdom. The first thing that I see is that this article tells me that snow reduces insects. Snow reduces insects. Let's see if I can get this to work. And, and so... We understand that this snow cover that we've been under for much of the year is killing the larvae of the insects. 
Next year we will have fewer bugs. Next year we will have fewer. I remember, I think it was last year, year four, we had an overabundance of mosquitoes and bugs. And everybody was telling me it's because it had not gotten cold enough to kill them in the winter. And so they had had an abundance of production in the spring. Now we have a a situation where this year we can look forward to the fact that we're not going to have an overabundance of insects because we've had snow. Now when I look at Josiah, the very first of the scripture that I read says that Josiah purged the land and set out to repair the temple. When we don't purge our heart, we allow the bugs of this world to infest our life. When we don't clean out the temple, we allow the bugs of this world to infest our church. And I'm convinced that one of the struggles that we fight with is it's been a long time since we went through a purging. We've went through a cleaning where we've said, listen, I want to get rid of the insects. All the anointing's starting to come. I'm starting to feel better. Let me tell you something. We live in a day and age where we live in a day and age where instead of getting rid of and purging and cleaning out and getting rid of the insects of the world, we have become comfortable to live with them. Instead of cleaning out the house of God, instead of getting rid of the little creatures that struggle, that slip inside of our hearts, inside of our belief, inside of our faith, instead of getting rid of the little things, we just get comfortable batting them away. Instead of getting rid of the insects that have invaded our church with... with, with acceptance and tolerance and, 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 and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Instead of getting rid of the bugs that have invaded our church, we have become confident and comfortable letting the roaches crawl across our feet. We have become comfortable letting the gnats fly around our face. We have come to the place that we think it'll be okay. They don't really hurt us anyway. But the truth of the matter is, every uncleanness. And when the bugs invade our church, it means that our faith has become unclean. Josiah was like a layer of snow. He says, I want you to get this. I want you to understand what this this long reading that I read said. He purged the land, and then he sent him to gather all the money that had been collected at the door so they could rebuild the temple. So they could repair it. You know what that tells me? They had been giving in the offering. 
but they had not been doing anything with the money. They had been placing money in, but yet they refused to repair and clean. They refused to purge. They gave the offering because that's what they were commanded to do. But we find out as we read on, they don't even know where the book of the law is. So all they remember is a requirement to give the offering. Giving the offering doesn't work without a clean place to work. You know what's happened in the church? We remember we're supposed to give. Hopefully you remembered a lot today because we've had a year of snow. I always remind people, it, for some reason, the gas company doesn't care if we had church or not. They still send us a bill. But we remember to give. We remember to come and sit in the chair. Sing the song, hear the sermon. But my question is, have we purged our life? Have we repaired the temple? Have we allowed the insects that steal our victory and steal our joy to be gotten rid of? Or have we even forgotten that there is hope? Have we forgotten the word of victory? And we think it's enough that we give in the offering and we come to church. I'm telling you, you can come to church. You know what Jesus said? Jesus talking to the Pharisees, which is the church. I'm going to tell you, you study the New Testament, we look way more like Pharisees than we do disciples. Way more like Pharisees than disciples. You know what he told them? He said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look all good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. You got it all looking good, but inside your heart... Is roach infested. My grandmother, her next door neighbor had a house. And from the outside, it looked okay. Wasn't the greatest house, but it looked okay. But she had failed to clean the inside of her house. And when you walked inside her house, the walls moved because there was a roach infestation. My cousin, who is now quite fun, quite humorously, is a is a uh, um, uh, what is that called? A exterminator. He wasn't an exterminator there, but he took on the job of cleaning that house. He went in and put a roach bomb in that house, and he went in with shovels and shoveled out the roaches. Some of you are going, Ooh. but you know, sometimes that's the way our church looks. That's the way our hearts look. We have not allowed God. We, we want to go revival to revival to revival. We've not allowed God to cover us in snow. What happens when you get covered in snow? You hibernate. Not a whole lot you can do. You, you can't get out. You can't go. You can't. You know, Sister Ann was talking a couple weeks ago like, man, she says, I've read in the Bible, I've prayed more because I couldn't get out and do anything. And, and, and sometimes we got to be covered in that snow that looks like death so that we can purge and rebuild and clean our hearts. 
we can get rid of the bugs that steal our joy. Snow reduces insects. And Josiah purges, purged the land. The next thing I see is that snow fertilizes. Snow fertilizes. You're going to have to help me back there, Cody. It's not working for me. And Josiah finds the law. What are you talking about, Pastor? When that snow comes and it lays there, there are nutrients, nitrogen and other nutrients that are in that snow. And it doesn't wash over the grass. It sinks and seeps down into deep roots of the grass. It seeps in. And it fertilizes the roots and the life of that grass. So that as that grass lies in its dormant state of winter, it's eating. So that when it comes time to come back to life, it comes full. It comes nourished and lush. Josiah had sent them to repair the temple. And they brought all the money in. They brought all the workmen in. And they're laying out all the people doing all the different jobs. And they're doing everything they need to do. And all of a sudden as they're walking around, uh, uh, Hilkiah, the, the high priest, is looking around. And he goes, what in the world? I was over here cleaning. And I found a book. And the book... Is the law. I found what God gave Moses. I could preach a whole sermon on how sad it is that they didn't know where the book of the law was. I could preach a whole sermon about how sad it is that we're coming into a generation that we've become so inclusive of every faith and every idea and every thought that we have forgotten to know where the book of the law is. I, 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 I get sad. Me and Dad were talking. Me and Dad are in the car as much as we've been in this week. We've solved every bit of the world's problems and every church situation. And Dad began to talk. And he talked about one of the, one of the struggles, and God laid on a word on his heart. He said, I believe one of the struggles we have in church is the gospel of inclusion. He says, we're afraid to stand up for what's right. We're afraid to stand up for what is biblical and what is true. And we, wanna, we have a gospel of inclusion. And if you want to serve God, you can serve God. But if, if you want to serve Muhammad, you can serve Muhammad. If you want to serve Buddha, you can serve Buddha. And if you want to serve yourself, you can serve yourself. Because we've come into a generation of people who don't even believe that there's a judgment. They believe that everybody's going to wind up in heaven, that we're all going to wind up the same place. It doesn't matter how we go to get there. It'll all be fine. But I got news for you. When we forget where the book of the law is, we forget that there is only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, His Son. Somewhere we've got to stand up, and we've got to find the law. Now, what does the law do? 
What does the law do? The law fertilizes. It begins to pull deep down into our roots. It begins to seep down into our soul. We begin to see where we go wrong and we begin to correct it. We begin to see where the promises are and where the powers are and where the victory is. I saw a sign on a church this week that said there's 365 fear nots in the Bible. So there's a fear not for every day you face. When you get into the law, you get into the word, you begin to find that there is victory, there is power. It begins to bring nourishment and nutrients to your soul. That's why David could write, I meditate on your word both day and night. I want to know, I want to feel, I want to be fed by your word. I want God's word to fertilize my spirit. Fertilizer. Stinks. But it brings life. You know what happens? When we dig into the Word, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's a struggle. Am I the only one in the house that ever picks up the Bible and goes... I hope I'm not the only one, because if I am, I, it's a bad thing to have me up front. <laughs> am I the only one that ever opens up a Bible and just says, I don't like the way that says that? I want a Bible that tells me that I can do anything I want to do. But when I let the Bible fertilize my heart, when I let it feed me, it gives me truth and it gives me hope and it builds me up. Just like the snow fertilizes the ground, the book of the law fertilizes our spirit. Go on to that next slide. Snow waters. Josiah repents. They tell me that as the snow lays on the ground, it melts slower than you can water a yard. So as it melts, it seeps deeper into the ground. And deeper, and deeper, and deeper. It doesn't water the surface. It waters the roots. Can I tell you about repentance? Repentance doesn't cover the surface. It goes to the roots. When they brought to Josiah the book of the law and they read it to him, the Bible says he tore his clothes and he cried out in anguish. We are destined for trouble because our fathers have not obeyed the law. He became repentant. You know what the word repentant means? It means to change directions. It does not mean, God, I'm sorry. It means, God, I'm sorry. It, 
we live in a day and age where we think it's enough to tell Jesus we're sorry on the way to do what we want to do. Well, I can't change who I am. That's it. It's part of my personality. It's the way God made me. Let me tell you something. We have proclaimed that God has made us sinful. And we have accepted that lie from the devil. It doesn't matter if it's that you walk around with a bad attitude. Well, that's just the way God made me. No, God didn't make you with a bad attitude. The devil made you have a bad attitude. When you begin to repent, you don't have a bad attitude anymore because God never intended for you to have a bad attitude. We have come to the, we have come so far into thinking that we can't repent or change directions that now we get up and we say, I'm homosexual because God made me that way. That is a lie. God does not make anybody homosexual. God has an order and a structure of time, an order and a structure of creation, and God cannot break that order and structure. And to go against what God has laid out is a breakdown of the structure that God created man and woman in. It is not a creation of God. It is a perversion of the devil. We've got to quit walking down roads saying, I'm sorry, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because that's the way God made me. And somewhere we've got to come to a place of repentance. Repentance waters down deep into our soul. Repentance brings, brings life and refreshing down deep. Hey, have you ever done wrong? I know most of you are perfect. Most of y'all been in church forever. You've never made a mistake. You've never messed up. You ever done wrong? And then you repented. There is nothing more liberating and more glorious than a repentant heart. Because all of a sudden, the weight of that sin gets lifted off of you. Unfortunately, too many of us, we wait to repent for most things till we get caught. I've been there too. Where I, I, I needed to repent, but I didn't. But then I got caught. And I repented because I had to. And every time that happened, I thought, wow, that felt good. Wow, isn't it amazing how freeing repentance is? It's because it gives life down into the roots of our being. If we would learn that we can be repentant, the Bible says, I would that you sin not, but if you do, you got an advocate with the Father. I don't want you to be wrong, but when you are wrong, call out, and I'm going to give you peace, and I'm going to give you hope, and I'm going to water your spirit. Snow waters. Josiah and we should repent. Go to that next one. Snow insulates. We've had a lot of cold, cold weather. 
the coldest snap of our weather came under almost a foot of snow. You know what that means? That on that night a couple weeks ago that it got down to 12 and 13 below zero air temperature. And it got down to 25 and 30 below zero wind chill. Our yards had a blanket. They were insulated. They, 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 were, they were able to survive the bitter cold because it was covered I'm going to tell you what happened this last week was more dangerous than what happened the week before because this last week we got ice without snow. But when that snow laid there, it insulated, it insulated our yards. It kept them safe. When we allow God to send the snow, even in our dormant state, he insulates the yard. Josiah repented. He was watered deep to his soul. He sent and said, go find out what we need to do. The word of the Lord came from the prophetess and said, calamity is coming. The people have done wrong and the judgment of God is going to be on them. Ooh, you messed up now. But... But changes everything. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. But changes everything. But as for the king, because he was repentant, because he was covered in snow, he will not see the calamity, he will not see the judgment. He will be gathered to his fathers and die in peace. Let me tell you something, church. We moan and groan about the snow. And we moan and groan about repentance. We moan and groan about trials and troubles and circumstances. But they insulate us. They insulate our spirit. That's why James can say, count it all joy to fall into diverse temptations. Because you know that coming through those builds your faith. And when your faith is made complete, you become whole and lacking nothing. You've been insulated. And, and it, may, it may look weird. It may feel weird. But when the sun comes out, when springtime gets here, you're still going to be alive. The seed is still going to be fresh. You've gonna be in, you, you will have been insulated when that, snow, that freeze came a couple of weeks ago that got so cold. And then last Sunday, we got up to 60 degrees. And all that snow melted off. Did anybody notice how green the grass was in the middle of the winter? You know why it was green? It had been insulated. We look around our church in our snowy season. Two years ago, we had 120. A year ago, we had 100. Today we got about 44, 45. Pastor, what's happening? Don't worry about it. We've been insulated. There's going to be a snow that is going to rise up. 
there's going to be there's going to be a sun that's going to come and it's going to be a lush field again we've been insulated we've been protected we have been we have been taken care we have been shielded and when we trust God, I, I'm believing this. I believe that God is about to send us some victory that we've never known before. I believe God's about to send us some revival that we've never experienced before. I believe God's about to show us how he can replenish us. We got to go through the winter first. We got to go through the snow first. The snow has insulated us, shielded us. Go on to that next one. This one excites me. Snow can spread seed. I was reading this blog that I got the information on what snow can do for our yard, and it said that there is a place that it's not even a bad idea to sprinkle some grass seed on top of the snow. And that the snow will allow the grass seed to filter down through into the ground. Full of all the things that we've talked about, the nutrients, the insulation, the, the protection. Less birds are flying around to eat it up. And it can spread that seed throughout the yard. And... And, and let it take root. Snow creates evangelism. Snow creates evangelism. When we begin to spread the seed, it begins to take root. It spreads. It moves. In the midst of the snow melt, the seeds move around the yard. And fills in the gaps. Josiah hears the word of God. Calamity's coming, but you're not going to see it. It would have been easy for Josiah to say, Sorry for y'all's luck. I'm going to be fine. I'd hate to be you. Do you know what Josiah did? Josiah pulled everybody together. And he had them read the law to everyone. And he said, now we're going to worship. Now we're going to serve God. We're going to get rid of the abominations. We're going to get rid of all the junk that we've allowed to build up. We're going to have a Passover feast. They had not been doing the Passover. We're doing the Passover now. He said, it's not good enough that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to reinstitute true worship. I'm going to reinstitute a place where we quit worrying about what other people think. We quit worrying about what it looks like. And we start understanding that there is an evangelism that comes in the snow. I'm going to tell you. God laid in my sleep last night. Before I went to bed last night. Beth and I watched a documentary on Mr. Rogers. 
Won't you be my neighbor? I found out something about Mr. Rogers I didn't know. Found out that every day, it's going to blow your mind. Every day, Mr. Rogers went to a gym, like a Y, and he swam about a mile or two miles a day. He watched his diet, and every day when he'd get out of the pool and he'd get ready, he would go into that gym scale and he would stand up on the scale. And throughout the 50s, and, and the, the story I got was from somewhere in the mid to late 60s, for most of that time, he made sure that every day he got on the scale, he weighed 143 pounds. Why did he do that? Because 143 meant something to him. You see, he used that number on many occasions, 143. For at least a decade of his life, he made sure he kept his weight, not at 142, not at 144, but at 143. You know why? Some of you go, I don't know. The word I has one letter in it. The word love has four letters in it. And the word you has three letters in it. And to Mr. Rogers, the number 143 represented love. It represented I love you. And he's, he wanted to make sure that every day he could look at himself and say, I love you. I began to hear that story and I thought, whoa. That's cool. I have no hope. Of 143. But let me tell you something. As I laid in bed last night, God gave me an idea. and We're going to do it. My wife don't even know this yet. She hadn't heard this. We're going to do it. Sometime probably in March or April, we're going to do a 243 banquet. No. We love you. Two letters, four letters, three letters. We're going to call it Banquet 243. We're going to invest in it. We're going to buy food. We may even have it catered. We're going to spend some money on it. You know what God showed me to do? We are going to take, and we're going to print tickets, and we're going to deliver tickets. We're going to have child care provided. We're going to deliver tickets to everybody we know that hasn't been coming to church. And we're going to deliver tickets to them to come to our 243 banquet. They're not going to know what that means. They're not going to know. We're going to have a special banquet, and you're the guest of honor. We all know people. I, I got people in my mind right now I know are going to get invitations to the 243 banquet. We're gonna, it's going to be the ni- nicest banquet this church has ever done. We're going to bring them in. We're going to set them down. We're going to feed them. And I'm not going to hound them to come back to church. But I'm simply going to get them in one room where I can say, 
we wanted to bring you to a 243 banquet so we can let you know that we love you. See, in the midst of snow, evangelism happens. Three or four years ago, I go back about three years about this time, we were in the midst of a growth spurt. Six years ago, six years ago, when I, or seven years, or six and a half years ago, whatever it is, when I came to be your pastor, the overseer told me this church ran about 80 people. My interview Sunday, you had about 115. My first Sunday, you had about 120. For the first year, we averaged 120. I called the overseer one day, and I said, Bishop Brown, I've been lied to by a lot of overseers, but I've never been lied to the way you lied to me. He's like, I said, I've had overseers tell me a church runs 80 and it runs 40. But I've never had an overseer tell me a church runs 80 and it runs 120. We were growing. In the midst of that growth, we didn't think about 243 banquets. Because we were already, we were trying to figure out how in the world do we house everybody. Three years ago, I was starting to put into play the plan to go to two Sunday morning services, not because we couldn't necessarily see them in here, because we didn't have enough bathroom space, and we didn't have enough parking, and that lot was full every week. Y'all remember that? When that's going on, we don't worry about a 243 banquet. Because we're just trying, oh, how do we keep this going? But sometimes God sends a winter. He sends a snow blanket. And he said, listen, slow down. We talked about it in our leadership meeting. Our church probably does too much stuff. We probably do. Some of us are at the church every night of the week. We, we, we probably do too much because we were trying to keep up. Sometimes God's got to put us in a snow blanket and say, listen, find the evangelism. Sprinkle the seed and let it move where it needs to be. Show people you love them. Get outside the walls. Quit making it about church. I encourage you to be here tonight. I, I, I'm going to be honest, I still don't know if I'm going to do the town hall meeting or not. We'll see how bad it looks. But whenever we do this town hall meeting, one of the things that I want to talk about is when are we going to quit having church and start being the church? You know where those kind of phrases come from? They come from snow blankets. They come from seasons that were insulated, that were hibernated, but that nutrients start getting deep into our souls. I say, let it snow. Let it snow. God, show us your power. Show us your anointing. Show us how to spread the seed. Let us find the book of the law of God and the house of God.
Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you and I praise you for your power. I thank you and I praise you for your majesty and your peace. Lord, I pray that you would use us to reach our friends and our family. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Be back tonight at 6 o'clock again. We'll probably do at least part of the uh, uh, town hall meeting tonight. Uh, But I want you to be here. Shake hands. Be friendly. Tell somebody you love them. Everybody, God loves them. You're dismissed.